Well, I'm excited to have Teddy come, and just a few things about Teddy before he comes and preaches on a, a Hebrews 3. Teddy is from South Carolina, right? Columbia, South Carolina. He is a rising senior, going to be a senior at CSU. He is a trombone uh, major, music major. And Teddy and many of his friends have been here at the church, part of the church for several years. And uh, Teddy has just, I, what stands out to me about Teddy is Teddy has a, a real gift of just discipleship and leadership amongst his peers. And you can see Ted, the fingerprints of Teddy's influence and his leadership and investing for the spiritual good of others in just a, a, a host of his friends. You know, Josh Hutchinson, I've just heard about what a grace Teddy's friendship has been to him. And it's so neat to see a young guy who's 21, 22, I don't know how old you are, 23, 21, 21, and just intentionally investing in the lives of his peers and showing really remarkable spiritual maturity for a young man his age. And he's just served the church for several years. We're very grateful for him. And uh, he loves the Lord. He loves God's word. And I'm looking forward to, to being chastened and encouraged as he comes. So give it up for Teddy Nagelvoort, the Dutch Dynamo. <laughs> Get all this stuff up here. Awesome. Good to see everyone. Um, again, I'm Teddy. For any of you that I've, I've not yet met, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak to you guys. Um, I'm also even more excited about the text that I'm going to be able to talk to you guys tonight. I think that within it is one of the most important truths um, that, that Scripture has about Christian fellowship and Christian community and, and why we as a church body, why it's so important that we have each other. I think this text really shines light on that in such a beautiful way. Um, so without further ado, let's pray and we will dive in. Father God, I thank you so much for your son, for while we were still sinners, sending him to die for us. Um, you knew no sin to, to be sin so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. I praise you for, for your love that you've shown us that's so undeserved. I praise you for that. I pray, I pray for your grace upon every single person in this room tonight. I pray that you would, you would be gracious to us. I pray that you would be gracious to me as I, I try and reveal what's in your word. I pray that you'd help me to be faithful to it. Pray that you would you'd help me to be humble and and hold fast to your word. I pray that as our text tonight talks about that you would would teach us, Father, about about how encouraging one another is is a way that you hold us fast to the end. That you help us persevere in our own salvation. I pray that that you would show us how to do that and then produce within this church body a a fierce battle against sin in a community where we are helping one another every day combat it and look to you because you're the best thing ever. I pray that you'd help us to do that. I pray that you'd be gracious to us. In your son's precious name I pray, amen. All right, well, our text for tonight is Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Um, before we read those and kind of dive into them, I want to talk a little bit about a biblical truth that I think will be really important to just kind of have a, a good understanding of before we approach this text. 
that is the perseverance of the saints. I could try and give you a, a definition of my own, but I found, I found uh, a dude, I think his name is Wayne Grudem. You might have heard of him. Uh, but he has a great definition of the perseverance of the saints. I'll read that for you. He says, The perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again, all those who are truly born again, will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. So they will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And that only and that only those who persevere to the end have been truly born again. And again, that last part, and that only those who persevere to the end have been truly born again. So um, there are kind of two halves to that definition, and I'm going to kind of go through some scripture to really kind of establish a, a solid kind of outline of just this, uh, this theology. So the first, the first scripture I'm going to read you guys is from Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, and that says, um, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, talking about God, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So from that, we can discern that, it, and, and we know, we hear it every week, that it is God's work that gives us the gifts of faith and repentance in Jesus, where you can look to him. He's a perfecter and founder of our faith. God gives us those gifts. He begins the good work within us. And it is also he who will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Another verse uh, comes from John chapter 10, verses 28 through in 29. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. Um, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Praise God just for that truth that we can be assured that God, it's, it's not dependent on us, that it's, it's God who saves us and it's God who holds us fast, and there's no power in this world that can separate us from him. So establishing that is an awesome truth. Also, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, we see, we see that the Holy Spirit is given to us once, once we are truly born again, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a kind of guarantee or even down payment of our inheritance in, with God and to be with God forever. Um, so just kind of establishing those, that truth, um, but as well as I, I want to go to Mark 13, 13, um, which the end of which says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It, the same thing is said in Matthew 10, 22. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So we have this idea that, that God is the one that begins the good work within us, and it's God who holds us fast. He, he's, he's the one that makes us persevere to the end. But we also see that it is necessary for a true believer. It, a true believer will persevere to the end. That is, that is a must. So that is also very clear in scripture. And I think just tying these two ideas together, I think verse 14 of Hebrews chapter three really beautifully kind of ties this idea of, of our own, like we have to persevere to the end, but also that it is God who begins the work and it is he that does it. So I'll read verse 14 for you. It says, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. 
Read it one more time. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Now note the tense. Uh, It doesn't say, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, we will come to share in Christ. It says, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So that one more time to make it clear. Um, if It doesn't say, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, we will come to share in Christ. So it's not dependent on our work of doing this thing and then God acts and he's like, okay, you're, you're good. And then he takes us. It is, if indeed, it says, we, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Um, so we can see that as a, as a truly born again Christian, we will hold our confidence firm to the end. A truly, it is kind of a mark of a true Christian, how we know for sure. Um, we can also have assurance in just the spirit, but that's, that's a different, but we know for sure um, by enduring to the end, a true believer will endure to the end. So just kind of establishing that, that theological truth before uh, we dig into this text, I think will, be, will, will kind of be a helpful platform to dig in a little bit deeper. Um, so let's, let's read verses 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So before we dig a little bit deeper into that, I also want to kind of just give a, a general overview of, of Hebrews, maybe some common themes that we'll see, that we see in the book, um, who is written to, such as that. We're not sure who the author was. Some scholars think it might be Paul, but we really don't know. We do know that it primarily is written to, towards the audience, is written for uh, Jewish Christians, um, and that the the book in, in actually in Hebrews thirteen, verse twenty two, yeah, thirteen, verse twenty two, uh, the book is actually or the letter is actually called a word of exhortation. So this exhortation is for for people to hold, essentially, for people to hold fast to Christ. Christ is compared to Moses, Abraham. Um, the old priesthood, the old sacrificial system, and, and the encouragement is to hold fast to Christ. Along with that, we see a lot of warnings to not leave Christ, to not forsake Christ, but to hold fast to Christ because he is truly the only, the only thing that matters. He is, he, is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, so there are many warnings against, against leaving Christ, so hold fast to Christ. Um, so with those things in mind... Um, Read the text one more, one more time, and we'll kind of piece it together here. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So I want, to, I want us to look at uh, verses 12 and 13. 
and see that there are two commands, that there are two imperatives. There is, there is the charge to take care and the charge to exhort, both at the beginning of verse 12 and, and 13. And then I want to look at verse 14, I think, for, as, the, as the reason for which we are to take care and which we are to exhort. So we are all, um, 14 being, the goal is for we have come to share in Christ. We as believers seek to be with Christ, to enjoy him forever. We put our faith in him, turn away from our sin, and look to him. If, indeed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So we have, looking all the way back to my first, or talking about perseverance of the saints, of the saints, <laughs> um, it is necessary for us to hold on to our faith in Jesus. Um, so I think this is the ground, this is the ground upon which um, the charge is being made to take care and to exhort. So we must take care and exhort so that we hold fast to our faith in Christ and then we share in Christ, that being the ultimate aim to glorify God through, through that alone. Um, and I think that is fur further just kind of elaborate upon in the rest of verse 12 and in the rest of 13. Looking at take care. Why? Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So falling away from the living God, that's, that's not enduring to the end. That's, that's looking away from him. Um, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we take care and exhort one another every day. I think, look at, so the, the relationship between that and verse 14, I think, um, is God telling us that we, again, jumping all the way back, we know that it's God's work within us. He holds us fast to the end. But a means by which he does that is our own exhortation of one another and of taking care of one another. He uses that to hold us fast to the end. So it's so, so, so important that we do that. So again, knowing that perseverance of the saints, that one of the means by which God, being the one that holds us fast to the end, is our own exhortation of one another. Um, so if you're anything like me, I'm, I, uh, if I had to describe my mental process, I, I feel like I'd, I'd take out a file cabinet. You know, I'd take out my file cabinet, Perseverance of the Saints, and I slip a piece of paper in there that says, encourage one another as a means by which God holds us fast to the end. I'm like, cool, I know more about Perseverance of the Saints now. I know how God does that. And I put it back in my head, and I'm ready. I'm a smarter person now, right? <laughs> Great. <laughs> But I think that, that doing that, uh, would completely disregard the, the scary reality of, of this text and the, the scary reality of the charge to encourage one another. Why do we do that? Here we have a lot, a lot of just, a lot of just words. What do, what do those words mean? Do you, why, why should you exhort so we don't fall away? What does that mean? How do we do we do we see that and 
How do, how do we see that? How do we, do we know what it feels? Is it just in our mind? So I found um, five words in verses 12 and 13 that I think, I think taking, a more, that taking a more careful look at them um, will help us to see the true reality of, of our state of, that's around us, the reality that we live in. Um, those five words are, are sin, uh, deceitfulness, hardness, unbelief, and evil. Each of those things we see is, is what leads us to fall away from God, to, to not hold fast in our confidence firm to the end. Those, each of those words, I think, clarify a reality that, that those things separate us from God. Those things cause us to be, to be damned. So what, is, what, do, what does that mean? Again, there's still just, there's still just five words. I'm going to kind of dig a little bit deeper into each one. Uh, I've, I've, I already told them to you in a, in a kind of logical, what I found to be kind of a logical order of, I think, just a, a development of, it, of each of these words. So let's, let's sit on sin for a second. What? Do you, I could I could define sin. I will here in a sec, but but just I don't know. Close your eyes and think about sin. What do you more than just words? It's not just words. What what is sin? Have you have you have you experienced it within yourself? <laughs> have you seen it in other people? Do you see it in the world? Think about it. What is sin? I'm going to steal uh, a, a John Piper definition for this. Uh, but he says that, that sin in its essence is a preference for anything other than God. Sin in its essence is a preference for anything other than God. Looking to anything other than, than Jesus Yes, there's, there's lust, there's jealousy, there's dishonoring your parents, there's, there's hate, there's lust, there's... But sin at its essence is, is a preference for anything, anything over God. Do you, do you know that? Have you, have, you, have you felt yourself prefer something to God? Do you see people... Do you see your friends? Do you see your, your spouse, kids, coworkers, whatever? Do you see people preferring things to God? Do you, do you, do you know that in your heart? Are you, are you familiar with that? Think, think about that. Spend time thinking about that. I think, so if sin in its essence is a preference for anything to God, then all sin is deceptive. The lie being anything is preferable to God. <laughs> there isn't anything preferable to God. 
But that sin from the beginning till now is, is deceitful. It is, they are lies. Nothing is preferable to God. So deceit is believing that something is more preferable than God. Again, I'll ask the same question. Have you, have you, do you see those lies being broadcasted in our world every day all around you? Do you, do you see that? Do you see it affecting the people around you? Do, you? do you notice it affecting you? I think those lies and, and sin result in, in hardness. Maybe a C.S. Lewis type description would be a kind of Ice creeping over the heart, producing hardness within us. The lies and the sin to where anything is preferable to God, looking to those things and thinking that somehow they are better, that produces a hardness within us. Again, have you felt that hardness? Do you see it in, in other people, in, in, our, in our own Crosspoint community? Do we see that in one another? We see it in ourselves. Are we, are we even paying attention to it? Is that even on the radar? Hardness and deceit and sin, I think, all lead to unbelief. Which I think is when the truth and the beauty, the truth and the beauty of, of God's love for us in Christ, that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. That beautiful thing that God has done for us becomes less desirable and not even interested in it. Where we can go about our day and not have a second thought about that and, and not, even be, not even be moved. Do you know what that's like? Do you, Do you, it's evil. Again, Piper defines evil as the delusion that anything is more desirable, more precious, or more valuable than God. Evil is the delusion, the delusion, it's so false that anything is more desirable, more precious, or more valuable than God. There is nothing, there is nothing more precious, nothing that we should be seeking after more, with every fiber of our being. There is, there is nothing that is more desirable, more satisfying. We, we won't find answers anywhere else. Are you searching for answers anywhere else? Do you see other people searching for answers other than God? This is, this is what we're charged with. We are charged to exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that we are not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin doesn't mean that we're not going to have ups and downs, that we still might fall. But that's what we're here for. We're here to, to point each other towards Christ so that we don't fall away. 
Do you know what those things are? Those things produce damnation. Those things separate us from, from our creator and loving God. So exhort one another. Don't, don't think it's, it's strange. We, we are here to glorify God. We have a common purpose as a church. We are, we are here to be a, a display of the gospel to the onlooking world. Don't, don't think it's, I don't even know. Don't let society dictate, oh, I'm, I don't know them well enough to, to share the sin that is plaguing me and the sin that is plaguing my brother. Don't go to each other and share that with one another and exhort one another through scripture, come alongside one another. The, sorry, I jumped way back. I forgot to say it, but the, the, the Greek word for exhort is parakaleo. I think, I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it, but it literally means to call alongside, come alongside one another. Look to Christ. And so what does that encouragement look like? I think that if the essence of sin is that anything is preferable to God, that, that lie, those lies that are being bombarded. Sorry, little side note. It does say, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. That's every day. That's not, that's not a, a, a it's, it's odd, like it's beautiful coming here and, and praying for one another on Sundays and Wednesdays in community group, maybe once a week, once every other week, whatever. Those things are beautiful things where we can strengthen relationships, come together and study the Bible. But, but those things should be platforms for developing relationships that we can come alongside one another and encourage one another every day. We need it every day because we are being lied to every day. This world is, is plagued with lies. So going back to where, where I left off, if the essence of sin is preferring anything to God and, and the lie is that anything is more desirable than God or more preferable to God, more valuable than God, then come alongside one another and point towards Jesus because Jesus is better. <laughs> The God of all creation. We have, we have sinned against our creator. And he has loved us. He has been gracious to us. He sent his own son who lived the perfect life that we can't live so that, and, and bore the wrath that we deserve so that through him we might come to him. He is so much better. The only thing that will ever truly satisfy us. Point each other towards him, the truth of scripture. Do it every day. It's so important. Jesus is better. The flip side of that being sin leads to death. That hardness will lead you away from God. Don't follow it. It leads you to hell. Stay away. Pursue God with it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Don't let up. Don't ever stop letting up and, and don't let up on your brother, your wife, your kids, your friends, your parents, your cousins who don't know the Lord. Don't let up on them. Encourage one another every day. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for, for my roommates and friends and, and my family exhorting, exhorting me and, and pushing me towards the, tr the one truth that matters is God, 
the good news. It's preached here every Sunday. You guys know it. So exhort one another every day. Let's pray. Father God, I, I do, I beg you to be gracious to us. I beg you to be gracious to us, Father. Help us see sin for what it is. Help us, help us go to you with every fiber of our being. Don't let anything get in our way. If we see anything, I pray that you would help us to deal harshly with our sin. And to not be afraid to come alongside one another and, and say what we need to say to keep each other believing in Christ so that we may endure to the end. I praise you for, for setting it up that way, that you have, have created a church and, and given us the opportunity to come alongside of one another. And I, and I praise you for, for using that to hold us fast to yourself so that no power in this world can ever pluck us out of your hand. I praise you for that and I thank you. I thank you so much for this church body and, and I pray that you would, you would help us to, to do that, to encourage one another as long as it is called today. In your son's most precious name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Well done. Praise God. I, I'm chastened and um, so encouraged by, by you, Teddy. Uh, just a few things I, I just want to encourage you with. And then, again, we're going to break briefly and then reconvene like a minute later and do an elder Q&A. But remember to provide Teddy with just specific ways that what he shared with us helped us, uh, helped you follow Jesus a couple things. One, Teddy, you just ooze sincerity and credibility. And right away, I was just gripped with what you were saying. You have a, just a way of, of just very easy to take seriously because you are, you are just humbly, graciously serious about the glory of God. Um, you have a way of reading scripture that is so compelling. <laughs> Did you notice it? I mean, I just felt like the whole room was leaning forward, and, 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 and it just, to, to, to me, it was just like, man, the power of God's word, and you repeated a line a few times, you were reading, and then you, you just repeated the second half of verse 12, and I thought, wow, just reading the scripture, just the word of God itself is powerful, and and the, the reading scripture publicly is 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 a, it's a ministry. It's it's a kind of art form. And and brother, you are naturally gifted at that. And then just brother, that was just a wonderful exposition of the text. It's not you know I mean not three points in my opinion and use the text. It was you just it was like science class and we were dissecting the frog but the frog was Hebrews 3 12 through 14 and that's what we need we need the word of God we need to be exposed to the word of God and brother you expose us to the word of God and then finally I just just I, I, you know what I'm, I'm reading this biography of Martin, Martin Lloyd-Jones and he was a Welsh preacher in uh, London in the 
you know, mid-1900s and was born right after the turn of the century and came out of, was influenced by people that were influenced by the Welsh revival in Wales in the 1800s. And one of the things that marked the Welsh revival and a lot of revivals in the history of the church is that it was, it was really sparked by young people who were taking the Lord seriously. There's just something about younger generations that grab a hold of the glory of God. And I just, I was just thinking, I could just imagine Teddy in the middle of, you know, the Welsh revival, just one of these young Bible-believing, gospel-gripped, Jesus-preaching young people just ushering in the glory of God in a new generation. And that, you know, I, I, I see that in your brother. That's, a, that's just a praise God, praise God. Um, so encouraged by, by tonight, by all six weeks. Hasn't this just been wonderful? <laughs> we have some good, God's been gracious to us with uh, some young guys that are really, really um, just gifted. Well, let's pray, and then we'll, um, we'll break if you got to go, and Stephen and Drew are going to throw a couple chairs up here, and we'll um, have you give you an opportunity to ask Jay Hearn any questions. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for, again, just Teddy's ministry to us. Thank you for this word. May we heed it. Lord, may we, may we be people that are sober-minded. The days are evil. What a wicked world we live in. And the world has always been wicked since Genesis 3. And you, by your kindness, warn you, you preserve, as Teddy taught us tonight, you, part of the means that you keep your people is through the warning of your scripture. May we be chastened and warned and exhorted and encouraged and spurred on to love and good deeds. What a word, what a privilege to live together in this way as your people. What a responsibility. So, Lord, help us tonight as we go. And, Lord, give us wisdom as we, as we encourage our, our brother, elder candidate, Jay. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.